Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we have a number of people we're going to speak with today, but we're going to start off with what's happening with the Democratic Convention and CNN political commentator and my favorite daughter, Miss Angela T. Rye, is our guest for this segment of the program. So, uh, Angela, uh, we'd like to just have you do a recap. Uh, it looks like the Democratic Party, it looks like they're enthused. Uh, given the current uh, COVID-19 environment we're operating in. I'd just like to have you comment on uh, your perspective. Yeah, I think that um, yesterday really seemed like it was the first day of the convention. Um, it felt like the couple of days before were warm-ups and felt a little infomercial-ish. And yesterday felt like they were really trying to build a case for why um, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were the best ticket to beat um, Donald Trump in November. And I think that it was such a powerfully strong night for women the day after the centennial of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, uh, where we were left out. And it was very, by we, I mean black women, it was very clear that uh, there were a number of people, elected officials and speakers, who are prepared to address that and how problematic it is that we've been historically left out. So I thought it was really, really um, good. I thought Kamala Harris was phenomenal. She said that there is no vaccine for racism. We just got to do the work. It was powerful and it was clear, poignant. Um, and it demonstrates that as much as people have wanted to articulate that Barack Obama represented a post-racial America, that we have miles to go on a post-racial America. And I don't even know that we should be striving for that. What we should really be striving for is the appreciation of diverse uh, groups of people and diverse perspectives um, without, without, you know, punishment because people see the world differently than you. But just appreciation because they do. You can learn something from it. And, you know, we have a big event Hayward and I are working on as co-conveners of the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. Uh, we acknowledge uh, this last uh, April 4th in the COVID-19, we did put a wreath up and make some remarks up. It also did in La we have a bus with Dr. King right outside. But then on August 28th, next Friday, is the 57th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington, D.C. for Jobs and Justice. And... And we're planning on doing some uh, viral kind of presentation there, uh, working with a uh, Converge Media, which is owned by Omari Salisbury. So uh, that will be coming up next Friday. But I also want to see if my co-host, Haywood Evans, had a question or a comment for you. Well, before yeah. you do really quick, I just want to acknowledge, in addition to the um, anniversary of the March on Washington, there's another anniversary that's two days after that. It's your 51st wedding anniversary, sir. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't say uh, happy yet, but yeah, happy, 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 happy. I will call you that day. Happy, happy. <laughs> I remember that. Don't think I didn't. But it's actually on, yeah, on August 30th. You're absolutely right. Five, five, That's what I said. I have one and still kicking. Daddy, now, I'm here you. I'm going to say, Angela, I'm glad you said that. Congratulations again. Amen. For the listenership. That's so cool. Anyway, um, Angela, first. I was so proud and appreciative last night, your statements. And I love what you just said. And going back to what uh, Don Lemon said, there's two pandemics, COVID-19 and racism. And, and there's no vaccine for racism, <laughs> what Camilla said last night. 
But for me today, I was looking at that uh, QAnon conspiracy theory and Donald Trump. And what's going on within their party? Can you comment on that for the listenership? I cannot comment on what's going on in their party. Um, I can say that um, it is an interesting, interesting time. And um, they have demonstrated, as President Obama said yesterday, that they're willing to do anything to steal the election and make it more difficult for people who they don't believe will vote um, for them. Uh, You know, and they've demonstrated that since 2010 when there was kind of this onslaught of voter suppression bills, whether it was restricting the number of early voting days, making it harder to vote absentee, or requiring um, voter ID um, to, to cast your ballot. And so I think that that is, that is where we are now. And um, it is a deep challenge, and they're now being far more bold than they've ever been. Um, so that's, that's what's happening. Um, and other than that, I don't have any idea as to what their, their motive, motivation may be. Um, or why they move that way, except for bigotry, right? That's the clearest thing. And, you know, they talk about fake news. Clearly, some of the, the uh, at least the information I've read, is absolutely ridiculous. But but on that note, uh, uh, Bill Barr and what, what's going on with him, and, and how do you, I mean, we know how important it is to vote. Can you share with our listening audience why it's so critical that they vote this year? Donald Trump. I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? Can, can, can you share with the listening audience? Because I love when you say it, why it's so important that everyone, everybody in our community at least, get out and vote. Yeah, I think that we have to, it's the first way to engage. It's the, um, it's our, our, you know, our easiest duty, um, kind of the first step. You know, Dad, I was raised with you, so I've been going to the polls a long time. I would go and I would get mad because I wouldn't get the same ballot as you. They gave kids the fake ballots that still had George Washington on them. Um, And I just, I remember how important it was in our home, and that's what I was raised with. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our community who haven't been raised with that same, um, with that same, type of importance or understanding and so we have an education campaign that we also have to engage in to ensure that our folks understand the power of their vote and the significance of it not just in this election where there's you know it feels like democracy is on the line but every election so we don't run the risk of getting here um in the future and so i wanted to, to ask you uh about uh, what's going on in Georgia right now and other places, what can what can be done to uh, curtail some of the voter suppression things that are currently underway? We we know about the post office picking up the mailboxes. Uh, what can average citizens do uh, to uh, to uh, defend the right to vote? Yeah, I think um, the first thing that we have to do is educate ourselves. We have to understand what all is happening. You have to understand, you know, how, how they've compromised the post office and created the challenges that currently exist. How did we get here? Um, do people understand that Barack Obama had nominated a black man um, to serve on this, 
on the um, board of governors for the post office. Do we understand that? Do we understand that just like his judicial nominations were held up, this black man nomination was held up and he wanted to come in and um, really revolutionize and modernize voting systems. I'm sorry, um, uh, mailing systems. And that would have helped the process that we're in right now with this pandemic. And they're so afraid of um, who we are and our power, more so than I think in some instances even we are. Um, man, I mean, you just have a lot to learn about our power, and we have a lot to learn in terms of understanding and embracing that power. So, um, you know, knowing what's happened, um, knowing how we can respond to what's happened is all really, really important. Well, you know, uh, about two weeks ago, we had Congressman Benny Thompson on the program, Hayward and I. And uh, would you explain to uh, the listening audience the significance of the Congressional Black Caucus? We know they have two of the five major House chair chairs. Uh, I think uh, uh, both your former bosses, Congresswoman Maxine Waters and Congressman Benny Thompson. Could you share with our listeners the power that the, the CBC has? Yeah, Congressman Scott is also the chair of the Ed and Labor Committee, so there's more than that. I think there's one more. Of course, there was um, Congressman Cummings before he passed for government reform, but I think there's one more. I just can't think of what it is. And there's a number of subcommittee chairmanships. About 21 that, subcommittee chairs, right? I don't know, but there's a number of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know, my hand. Uh, I need to look that up. But, yeah, the power of the CBC is it's known to be the conscience of the Congress um, so often when People are turning a blind eye to policies that would impact people of color. They're right there. Uh, and I would definitely encourage people as they get ready to celebrate their 50th anniversary um, to understand more about who they are and the significance of the caucus. Uh, there are 55 members right now, right? Yes, 55 members now, but there were just a bunch elected, so those numbers are going to go up next Congress. And hopefully Washington State We'll have its own Maryland Strickland in Washington District 10, um, also becoming the first black person and first Korean uh, um, American woman in history in the United States Congress to go in, but first black person from Washington State. It's time, Washington State. I know this isn't a campaign commercial, but this is about history. So hopefully we can do the right thing. Well, Angela Rice says what she wants to on CNN, and she can certainly say it on Urban Forum Northwest. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of uh, the, the presidential election, uh, they some polls say that uh, the uh, gaps are narrowing. What is your estimation of the pollsters' work? And uh, does uh, Trump really have as many uh, ardent supporters as he claims he has? Well, I would say that, um, you know, it's really early. It's, um, it's still August. We don't have a lot of time to get ready to cast our votes, but normally there's something they call an October surprise, and boy, did we have a hell of an October surprise in 2016. Um, I don't think I'll ever forgive James Comey. You can pray about that at church for me, Dad. Um, but it's bad. And so the other thing I would say is, um, man, we have a lot to do, not just around who we're voting for, but on um, the process of voting this time. So if you are 
of course, Washington is a mail-in state. So as soon as you get your ballot, fill it out and mail it right back. You know, don't delay. Don't delay. And Look, I'm going to drop dropping mine off. I'll drop ours off because the King County Records Elections is about three three miles from the house. And I like going up there so I can see the picture of Martin Luther well, King, the official, people, official emblem people, of yeah, some people may have fear about going, you know, like just like the folks don't want to go into precincts, they may have fear, so they may prefer mailing. Yes. There are, there are a lot of concerns around the mails. We talked about um, 15 minutes ago or so, but, um, you know, you just you have to make sure that you get great. However you're returning your ballot, turn it in early is the point. November 3rd is not Election Day for the purposes of returning the ballot. Turn it in on October 20th or before. So the ballots come out like two, two or three weeks before the elections. They said they said that most states are going to do a month. Um, okay. But I don't know what what you know what um, contingency plans Washington State has made. But a lot of states are going to get them out a month before. Okay. Well, that's something that Hayward and I can follow, so we can keep our listening audience informed of uh, the whole process. Yeah. Um, so, so in terms of uh, uh, pr- President Trump right now, with the latest, I guess, bomb to drop today was Steve Bannon being arrested or being charged with fraud. <laughs> and so they're already talking about him being bailed out. So I guess a pardon would be next. Huh. That that was raising the, the money on the uh, for the border wall, Thank and you. the team that the guy that came up with that scheme kept the money. It did not go for the border mm-hmm. wall. And so he was charged with fraud. So this is what about uh, the fifth or sixth? And uh, I guess he'll have a handful of pardons. Yeah, I guess so. I don't put anything past this guy. And I think it's just time for uh, the American people to wake up and pay attention to what is happening, um, you know, in this country. If, if, if five, four years later, you still can't figure it out. I feel sorry for you. That's the well, you know, you just you should know better by now. You should see have seen enough to know better. So, um, data says that the ballots are mailed out on October sixteenth in Washington State. October, okay, great, okay, okay. Well, the other big major news in Seattle was uh, uh, the resignation and retirement of uh, Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best. Uh, the city council <clears throat> had uh, cut her salary, which would have included a pension by 40%. And I, don't, I can't <clears throat> imagine them doing that to a white man. But anyway, uh, uh, I told folks that Chief Brett still has a future. And I'm certain if uh, we can all go and get uh, uh, Joseph Biden elected as president, uh, I'm sure there'll be a role for her somewhere in, uh, with a federal appointment. So she is worthy. She deserves it. And it's unfortunate that it went down like it did. But this is the first time in 57 years that there hasn't been an African-American on the Seattle City Council. So it's pretty difficult to uh, get engaged if you're not at the table. Like they say, if, you're not, <laughs> if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the, on the menu. So uh, and mm-hmm. Carmen's best salary certainly was, was on the menu. And she did, with dignity, uh, decide to retire rather than lose 40% of the retirement she had built up over the last 28 years being a Seattle police officer. So she has a future ahead of her, but I just want to share that with you, that that's some of the news that happened the last week. Yeah, I um, I feel bad, but I also 
have to acknowledge that there are some things that the Seattle police was doing with the protest that was not okay. Um, Absolutely. So I don't know if that was a form of retribution for that, but hopefully they'll make those, whatever the cuts were to Carmen's um, salary, they'll make those across the board because it's a number of them that should be um, uh, dealt with accordingly for how they were handling those protesters, including the little kid that got pepper sprayed in the face. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. They were all way out of control. No question about that. Exactly. You see it across the country. With, with that, I think I could remember that lady was in Aurora, Colorado, with kids six up to about 13. They're handcuffed face down, little girl with a princess dress on, six years old, handcuffed face down on the concrete in, in Colorado. So uh, mm-hmm. that seems to be a problem everywhere. Eric, did uh, uh, Jamie get on the line with uh, Dr. Crutcher? Okay, with, with, with police. Daddy, I have tomorrow. to hop off. Okay, would you just say hi to these folks and then hop off? Sure. Okay. Are you, uh, Dr. Crutcher? Yes. Okay. Angela, I wanted Angela to say hi to the candidate, Greg Robinson. She has to get off the line. So, uh, okay. uh, Angela, you got to tell you about Dr. Tiffany Crutcher. She's on the line. Dr. Crutcher, Angela hey. Rye. Hey, that's my sister. Okay. Hey, Angela, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. We are five days away from this mayor's race in Tulsa, Oklahoma, hoping to elect the first African-American mayor on the eve of the 1921 race massacre. And he's on the line, Mr. Greg Robinson. So I'll shut up and give him all of the time. I'm I'm serving as the senior campaign advisor as if I needed anything else. So I'll turn it over to Greg Robinson. So good to hear your voice, Angela. And Uncle Eddie, I love you. Good luck to you. I'm going to hop off, too, but good luck to you, uh, sir, and take care. You got good, good campaign your advisor on your hands. That's it. I can't be too bad uh, with that sort of leadership. So thank you, Angela, and thank you, Dr. Crutcher, as well. And uh, Eddie, it's, it's great to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, sir. Uh, well, uh, this is a very monumental occasion, so why don't you share with our listeners uh, how you're going to make Tulsa, Oklahoma better? And some people say, well, you think you can get the reparations for 1921? I said, let him get the office first. But anyway, I just wanted to have you comment on your vision for the city and uh, what put you heads and shoulders above your opponent. Well, I think it starts with the fact that I literally come from the other side of the track than any of our mayors previously had. And uh, my experience working on the front lines Uh, in the uh, educational system, uh, in the streets with people who don't necessarily know where they're going to get their next paycheck or if the landlord is going to take them to court because they can't pay their rent. Uh, And and frankly, my work to train up civic servants uh, and do something about the solutions, the problems that we face in the city of Tulsa is what separates me from any other candidate. You look across the country and we see movements happening uh, trying to get our public officials uh, to acknowledge uh, our collective humanity. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the eve of the 100-year anniversary of the race massacre, we are ground zero for this movement. Still, uh, no uh, justice for the descendants of the race massacre who lost everything uh, that they had Uh, And it's still playing out today with the inequities in education, 
the lack of access to housing, uh, and the uh, in uh, in um, unbalanced uh, economic development opportunities that we see. And so uh, I am running uh, because I stand on the side of people. Uh, I'm not worried about the political consequences, uh, and I'm bold enough to lead us into a future where everyone has a pathway to upward mobility. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has any questions or comments for you. Well, first, thank, thank you, Dr. Crusher, for having uh, Greg Robinson here with us today. Uh, Mr. Robinson, you know, I'm reading a little bit about you now, and I want you to share with our listenership about some of the things you've done, Medicare Foundation, Greater Tulsa African American Affairs, and about the 1921 Mass Grave Committee. Can you share your background so our listening audience has a good feel for who you are? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I was 22 years old, I went out and started working for uh, President Barack Obama's campaign team as an organizer out in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, I continued my organizing work and worked across the country, last working uh, for Secretary Clinton's uh, presidential run. Uh, and then I came back home to Tulsa after the unfortunate killing of uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher's twin brother, uh, Terrence Crutcher. And uh, I started to work with MetCare's foundation. It is a African-American-run community foundation committed to transforming the outcome of, of North Tulsa families in the image of Greenwood. And we started an elementary school in partnership with Tulsa Public Schools, specifically and intentionally called Greenwood Leadership Academy. Uh, and we are committed to erasing the equity gap uh, in this community. I also started uh, the Parent and Community Action Team, which is an organizing network of parents, teachers, and community activists and we are not sitting down on the couch. We are up and trying to address uh, the, the inequities that exist within our city, and we are pursuing those solutions. And so when you ask why am I running for mayor or how, why am I qualified, it's because I have already been doing the work. Uh, and unfortunately, we did not have a leader uh, in uh, the office that could uh, move us forward. And so now I have to take his job. Uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, if I can put it in that context, you know, please, for our listening audience, share share the, the trauma, share what happened in Tulsa. We're talking yes, four sir. miles here that was burnt. Yes, sir. We're talking yes. about these re, these veterans from World War One trying to save a yes. life of an innocent black person. Can you just share that for just a minute? Yes, sir. Uh, let me paint you all a picture of of having 300-plus businesses in a 40-block radius uh, in a state that only had uh, two airports. There were nine families in this area that had private planes. You're talking about going in your backyard and traveling to Paris. That is the sort of, of magnificence that existed. It's why it was called Negro Wall Street uh, by Booker T. Washington. And then imagine in the course of, of, of two days, it all being gone, burned to the ground. Uh, the, the World War I veterans who had given their lives uh, and put their lives on the line uh, only to come back uh, to their city uh, and be treated as, as savages and, and as the enemy. 
these people uh, represented by the spirit of, of one World War One veteran, Peg Leg Taylor. He went up to the highest point of the Greenwood community, took his soldiers with him, and they fought and fought and fought until the last man protecting uh, their home. Uh, it was a devastating event, uh, but uh, it, what is inspiring about it is not just what was built before the race massacre in Greenwood, but the fact that just four years later, uh, this community rebuilt itself, and some argue rebuilt it grander than the first time. And so there's a relevance now because you ask yourself, well, what happened after that? And it's the same story that happened in Detroit, that happened in Cincinnati, as happened in Tulsa. Uh, urban removal came in and destroyed uh, the black community. And so when you talk about the grandeur that was Greenwood, the destruction that was the race massacre, uh, and then the white supremacist policies that followed, Tulsa is truly a microcosm uh, and Greenwood is a microcosm for African-Americans and the experience that we have had in this country uh, for a very, very long time. And that's why it is so critical to have someone in office that understands that and is going to and is going to work for our people to fix it. Well, uh, uh, Greg Robinson, a candidate for mayor for Tulsa, one thank you very much. Uh, for your time today. Glad Angela had a chance to say hi to you, to you and Dr. Crutcher. And also, I got to thank my producer, Jamie Elmore, for putting things together. So, Jamie, we appreciate you. And Dr. Crutcher, uh, what else do you have coming up? What else do you have coming uh, well, up? Well, I will be in D.C. at the, you know, next week at the March on Washington with Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, the families of, of victims lost in the hands of law enforcement will lead that march. And uh, so I'm looking forward to being there. Um, and also on Tuesday to electing our first black mayor, Greg Robinson. So I'm just asking everyone to go to gregfortulsa.com. Um, you may not be able to vote, but you can support and help us uh, bust through the red tape and get to the finish line. That's gregfortulsa.com. Thank you so much, Uncle Eddie, for always giving me a platform to share, share my story and the work that I'm doing in Oklahoma. Okay, I want to thank you, uh, Greg, and good luck to you on Election Day, and thank Jamie Elmore, my producer. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan, Haven Evans, back at Urban Forum Northwest. Our next guest is Reverend Paul Benz. Uh, he says co-director, but I thought he was director of the Faith Action Network of Washington State. And this man played a monumental role in helping to get the funding for the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development, known as the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, because he's in Olympia every day. And the people hold it, they highly respect him. And he really was helpful to us. We're going to be leaning on him again. But uh, as a member of the, uh, the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee over the past few years, we're doing it virtual this, this, this year because of the COVID-19. But before we go into that, Reverend Paul, I'd like to have you share with our listeners a little bit about you personally, a little about the Faith Action Network. So then when they hear that name, they can put a, vo a voice to it since we're not Zooming right now. So why don't you go ahead and take a moment and do that? Thanks. Thanks, Eddie. It's always a, a, an honor and a privilege to, to, to be on your program and appreciate our friendship um, that we've had for many, many years. Um, I've been uh, uh, working um, and helped bring Faith Action Network together um, uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, we just thought it was, it was uh, the Kairos moment, the, the opportune time to bring together a statewide uh, faith-based interfaith so all, all of the family of God working together from Baptists, Catholics, uh, Muslims, uh, our friends in the Jewish community, Buddhists, uh, to work for social justice, to work for the change that we've all been working for and the ancestors on whose shoulders we stand for centuries, right, for decades in this country and all over the world. Uh, we want to keep putting all of our hands on that moral arc and uh, bending it uh, towards justice, as Dr. King always said. So that's uh, a little bit about uh, about me and about Faith Action Network. Folks can go uh, to be more engaged with Faith Action Network. We're a statewide organization uh, advocating, organizing, educating around social justice issues. Uh, they can go to our website at, at simply the three W's, FANWA, F-A-N-W-A, dot org sign up uh, to, to be a member um we have about 155 congregations faith communities all around the state uh that have formally joined fan and we have 7,000 um uh, members that approximately that are organized by our legislative in our congressional districts and uh as you know eddie uh, we, we don't we don't create that change without being organized and uh the the faith community needs to be organized been working with United Black Clergy, Washington Christian Leaders Coalition helped bring that together years ago and uh, um, continue to, to work with the black clergy of this city and our state on, on the critical issues before us. 
because you know the clergy were, were really instrumental, including yourself, in the McKinney Coalition that led to the passage of House Bill 1918, solely sponsored by uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I think that uh, Pastor Robert L. Mattaway now is like the chair of the McKinney Coalition. Yeah. And so, you know, a board yeah. has been appointed. Uh, they're in the process now of electing officers and going through all the, the duties and responsibilities board members have to go through, uh, training and all that kind of stuff. But uh, there is some money waiting thanks to you, Paul Benz, that uh, they can take right off in terms of program as soon as the building gets squared away. So that's another good thing you've done. And then yeah. before I should go to uh, the, the uh, next Friday's uh, 57th anniversary of the commemoration of the 1963 March on Washington, our last guest, uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, uh, who was with the candidate for mayor of, uh, and you might have heard of Tulsa, indicated that uh, she, along with the, the victims of uh, uh, gun violence, will be joining Reverend Al Sharpton for a march in Washington, D.C. But being an old, elderly black man, I can't go around big crowds. <laughs> so I'm not going to take my chances COVID-19 catching up with me. I'm avoiding COVID as long as I can. I I, I hear you, Eddie. I'm, I'm, I'm almost in the, in, in the same boat, right? I, I'd love to get out. And, and uh, I've been at a few, a few gatherings um, uh, earlier in the COVID era uh, at First AME and others. But um, uh, we, we have a new granddaughter, and I'm trying to, uh, hoping to see her in Colorado, but um, um, have to be very careful about going out in this, in this pandemic. I want to see if uh, Hayward has any uh, questions or comments for you, Reverend Benz. Yeah, Reverend Benz, first of all, thank you for all the hard work that you've done. And I'm going to move, uh, move a bit forward. How do you see this next legislative session in Olympia? In your opinion, what's going to happen? Well, I think the the two the the two big uh, issues, uh, I think, um, given the times that we are in, um, is 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 budget and revenue, if I could say it like that, and and policing reforms. Um, we are are as a state are nine billion dollars uh, in the hole, and I think we all know that uh, we cannot cut our way out of that. Um, that we've, we've got this as an opportune time, again, to use that word, uh, to uh, look at where we have um, holes, gaps in our tax structure that uh, are racially um, uh, and financially inequitable um, in terms of the values that, that most of us have, uh, which is that we should not have a wide gap between the have and the have-nots, um, the God that I worship. The rainbow God that I worship um, says that there, there should not be have-nots. So, um, and then policing reforms—that's um, that—that that is before us every day and has been in this country since 1619. In terms of you could you could say that the, the the police state that we have, the law enforcement that we have, is an extension criminal justice system of the plantation system. Um, and I, I know the, the the value, the important work that law enforcement does for us. And I'm I'm not uh, being dis I hope I'm not being disrespectful uh, when I say that, but I'm I'm trying to speak the truth as well. But I think those are the two in terms of the 2020 uh, 2021 uh, legislative session. Edward, I think, and I'm working on on a grassroots coalition now, the Washington Coalition for Policing Reform, that um, is is um, going to be is working with the Black Caucus in our state house. 
So Representative Johnson, Johnson, Rep- Representatives Johnson, Entman, Lovick, um, Morgan, and and others are very, very involved, and will be bringing forth legislation around independent investigation, building on 940, which was a very, very good piece uh, and, and initiative legislation that we have currently in statute. But as we know with many Ellis in the investigation there, police investigating police, that uh, that is not that that is not helpful. That is not helpful in terms of bringing forth the truth. And, uh, Reverend, Reverend Benz, I'm just going to ask you, Senator Hasegawa, how are we looking about the bank? And then the second one is on Jesse Weinberry, uh, uh, past representative Jesse Weinberry, that initiative 1776. What do you see right now? Well, I, I think one that that though though we missed the the getting enough signatures for the fall ballot, I think in many ways that was that was a good sign that's that saying we can keep all those signatures and and move it forward to a, uh, an initiative to the legislature and put this back on our elected officials, just like the march on Washington in '63. Uh, Dr. King, Bayard Rustin, A. Philip Randolph, and so many others, uh, um, uh, uh, John Lewis, knew that marching in the street is very, very important. But sometimes you have to pick your streets where to march. And, mm-hmm. and marching uh, in Washington, D.C., was mar- crossing, crossing the Selma Bridge, the Pettus Bridge, is very important. Marching in, in Montgomery is very important, wherever. But they chose on August 28th, an important date that they chose, of course, with Emmett Till, uh, but to, to march in front of the door of, of the elected officials. And that's what um, uh, the, the state bank, that's what we need to do with the state bank in terms of uh, Senator Hasegawa's good idea. I think there we have a great opportunity with the treasurer's race. Uh, hardly anybody pays attention to the treasurer's race, but we have a more progressive candidate in, in uh, uh, State Representative uh, Mike Pellicciotti, uh, versus Dwayne Davidson there. And I think there's an opportunity uh, to get a, a state bank or something close to it with the election of Pellicciotti. Now, what if um, the, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are prevail at the polls? Uh, do you foresee uh, Governor Jay Inslee going immediately back to be the secretary of EPA? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think if, if any of us, you know, we're called uh, called on um, by President Biden, um, by Vice President Harris uh, to go back and serve no matter what the capacity is. Right. To uh, um, uh, I, I, th- I think there, there would be few of us that would not take that opportunity up. I, I don't know. Um, but that is that is I think right now Governor Inslee wants to make sure that he <laughs> he has a, a strong election results. Uh, over over the police chief um, of, of the city of Republic, uh, Lauren Culp. But um, there's a, there is a there is a lot of talk about that, and there will continue to be Eddie. Yes. And I just no. I just yeah, go ahead, he, he would he would say yes to it, but you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now uh, on Friday, next Friday, you had mentioned August 28th already in significance, and earlier guests had mentioned that they'll be joining uh, Reverend Al Sharpton on the 28th in Washington, D.C., and it was one Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, whose twin brother Terrence Crutcher was killed by a Tulsa policewoman while he was surrounded by all these other police on a helicopter flying overboard. Anyway, they're going to do that on the 28th, but locally here, we're putting together a, uh, and Hayward is the chief organizer, uh, a virtual commemoration 
on the 28th. So that date is not forgotten. <clears throat> so and we'll be calling on you, uh, sir, uh, to uh, pre-record your remarks. We got to have Reverend Paul Benz on, right, Hayward? I, did I, I would did be, I lose Hayward I, Evans? We 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 we've already yes, gathered. No, no, no matter how we gather, we've got to gather on that date. We have to make our voices strong and clear uh, about the change that is needed. And um, this this uh, president, if you want to call him that, that that sits in the White House has been a um, more than a disgrace uh, to, to this country and to the office of, of president. And uh, he needs to be removed. Uh, we tried it through impeachment, and um, we we didn't succeed there. But we need to succeed on the ballots, which will be coming out mid October, and and get that clown out of there. Um, sorry, to, sorry to, to, but that's that's just the way it is. <laughs> and you you speak the truth, Reverend Benz. That's all <laughs> I can say. You speak the truth. But anyway, so Hayward, uh, hey, I will be in touch with you about your uh, what, your role in. Uh, the event for next uh, Friday, it will be streamed live, Converge Media. Omari Salisbury is putting things together for us. Uh, Wonderful. Wonderful. And it will be, what, at 6.30, Hayward, or 6 o'clock yeah. next Friday uh, evening? 6.30, and uh, Rev, we can even have you go down to the studio if you need to for your taping. But absolutely, look at your... You're my brother from a different mother. Come on, <laughs> you're just one. Of, you're just one Love. of us. <laughs> now, here, can we? Can people zoom their presentations? Can we? Yes, yes, okay. they can zoom their we, presentations yeah. also. Okay, well, I tell you what, we'll just go ahead and get with you, Reverend Paul, offline yep. and work out the logistics. So anyway, yep. we appreciate your time and we appreciate your efforts and your support for our community, Reverend. We really do mean that from our hearts. Eddie, Eddie, one, one, one last quick thing because I know. Uh, whether our the listeners are religious or not, that the march on Washington '63 is is not unlike the march, the Great Exodus that Moses led. Uh, you know that was the the first labor uh, strike, first walkout, and and that's exactly the people were marching there. They were marching for justice and marching for their lives, and that's what we need to continue to do on on August 28th and every day. That's it, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, Reverend Paul Benz. We appreciate you. All right. Love you guys. Talk, talk to you All soon. Right. Love you too, my brother. Love you. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, 
Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Live Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, what happens? I'm Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. But before we go to our guests, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office. The City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTag Bar Group LLC, Stephanie Ogle does our technology. And our next guest is Dadabudu Dash, the former commissioner with the Commission on A- Asian Pacific American Affairs. Uh, also, the, was it the Washington Indian Trade Relations Action Committee, Dash? Yes. Is a Washington State and India trade relations in India, right? In India, right? Yes. So uh, that's folks is trying to do business in India. They have an outlet through uh, Brother Dash, but uh, you know we have uh, uh, the August twenty eighth event coming up, and uh, this year you don't have to bring the Indian food because we're not going to have a gathering. But we do appreciate <clears throat> what you've been doing for us the past few years since we started the MLK Commemoration Committee. Uh, yes. <clears throat> But I just wanted you to comment to our listeners about uh, the, the significance and importance of wh- how you see the 1963 March on Washington and the relationship between uh, Dr. Uh, King's movement that he emulated from, Gand- uh, from uh, Gandhi to get India, uh, India's independence from British rule. Yes, it goes, you know, it goes back to centuries. And um, uh, Gandhi showed us the way uh, living together, the brotherhood and uh, the partnership, realizing the challenges in our life. And he showed us that you can achieve anything you wish, and that too without any violence, the nonviolence, which was the path was chosen by uh, Dr. King. And uh, we are deeply inspired by what you do, Brother Eddie, with the um, uh, Dr. King Memorial here in uh, in the center at the in, in Seattle, and we look forward to partner with you and leave that legacy along with you working together with our community. And also, you know, we have the the uh, and and people need to understand uh, that until 1964, <clears throat> blacks in this country had no rights. So. Yes. Uh, the Gandhi's movement that was emulated by Dr. King is very, very significant to us because uh, we're the only people that had to drink out the colored water fountain, a ride on the back of the bus, a suffer all kinds of other indignities because we were black. Everyone else was a white or honorary white. Uh, so uh, Gandhi and Gandhi's people means a lot different to me than it might mean to other people because of the fact uh, most folks didn't have to endure what we did. Everybody dealt with some racism. But the systemic racism that what we have endured for 400 years, and like I said, it was up until 1964 before we had any rights. While this is 
100-year anniversary year of the 19th Amendment for white women to vote. That did not include black women, even though black women were participating in women's suffrage over the, a century, trying to get women to have the right to vote. But it wasn't until 1964 where Dr. King had emulated uh, the peaceful nonviolent protest against racism in this country and bigotry that we were even able to gain that right. So uh, I hold uh, Gandhi very dear to my heart yes. because of and, the fact. And, and, and Brother Eddie, I would like to add something. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi started his movement, freedom movement, from the moment. Uh, the moment he faced uh, the racial segregation in in Durban and Pretoria in South Africa when he was thrown out of uh, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the train station uh, because he, he demanded that he should travel in first class. Uh, why not? Uh, it's a privilege. And he was thrown out twice, thrice. And at that time, he realized that he has to do something. And that's how the freedom movement of India started. So it goes back, you know, that is the racial segregation he was fighting against. And we have to, our community has to be, has to be educated about what the African-American community after the Sadat Civil Rights Movement, after 64, what they had to go through. And we have to, and that's why. We look forward to working with you on this. And we have got uh, some initiatives coming up, and we are deeply committed to live up to your expectation and make these things happen so that in future, future generation uh, doesn't have to go through this. Okay, and that's good because we get that technology, people will be yes. empowered yes. and uh, educated so they can survive because uh, it's a technological society. Some people say, well, get, get downtown is just about closed up. So I wouldn't ask anybody to invest any money down there right now with the scope of 19. But I want to... Uh, Go to my co-host, Hayward Evans, and see if he has any questions or comments. Well, first, Dash, let me just congratulate uh, the country of India, Independence Day, August 15th. Yo, yeah. I know you had your fireworks out <laughs> a nice event. <laughs> yes, about 70, uh, I know it was nice. 74th Independence Day, yes. And, and just, just for the sake of our listening audience and share with you, people keep saying uh, African slaves or people enslaved in the United States in uh, 1619, Jamestown, uh-uh, 100 years before. There's research has been done, 1520, in South Carolina, Florida, down South Carolina, Georgia, all the way down to Florida. There were Africans who were enslaved. So I just want to get that straight because everybody keeps kicking this 1619, but that's because it was an English settlement. Uh -huh. The Spanish settlement even had them earlier here in, in uh, our great country. But I was gonna ask you, now from your perspective, we know that we're gonna be working together and we talked about putting together a team. Can you can you comment on that uh, technology initiative? Yeah, that's what I, uh, I would like to say, you know, uh, even though uh, there are so many challenges going on, COVID-19, uh, downtown closures, protests, but I'm telling you, this is the investment we can make on the human resources. And at the right place, at the right time, it will empower the entire generation, the young generation. And I would like to see, you know, I, I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf of from, from the community. I would like to see the future generation of our 
African American community, especially, specifically this community should come up and show that we can do things if we have the willpower. There is nothing to stop. So we have to work together in this. You know, you don't have to go to school and have a graduate degree or a postgraduate degree to, to learn this high-tech IT uh, code. Anybody can learn that. Anybody with the right kind of attitude can learn this. It's not a rocket science. So we have experts in our community. We have, they have spent a lot of time and years in building their businesses, and they will come forward to train and educate these young force, young talents, to be ready for high-tech jobs. But in the future, in the state of Washington, right now, I can tell you, right now there are 50,000, more than 50,000 IT positions vacant because they don't have the skilled manpower. We have to do something to bridge that gap. And we have the talents right here. They just need to be trained. That's what our focus is. Well, well, brother, I, I just want to say that uh, uh, don't limit it to just the young people because we have a lot of people who are looking for an opportunity to be trained in technology. So uh, especially in our community, because, you know, uh, black families' wealth is uh, one tenth of that of uh, white families. Uh, our home ownership is gone. And it's all because of the fact and that's why we are so susceptible to this COVID-19, because we're right up on the front line, the service jobs and stuff like that. So I'm sure there'd be a lot of people. Includes yeah. some people as old as me. Me too. Gaining that that skill, uh, you know, to increase our our take and our knowledge about the whole process. So I want to say we we encourage young people, but we also want people of all ages, especially in the black community, because well, I I mean, say, we're, we're I hurting bad. Say, no question about it. But I would say, as far as learning goes, a young person can be 15 year old or 72 year old, as long as we learn. We are young. Hey, Des, we're almost out of time. What I about Camilla? What, what's going on with Camilla Harris and the Indian community? How are they feeling right now? Oh, my God. That's a moment of pride for all of us. Most of, most in our community, take that as a, as a moment of pride for all of us. This is Kamala. She is a champion of uh, diversity. She is a champion of being American, freedom, uh, you know, she, she has she has that uh, charisma, and we need her. We need her to be at the forefront to bring in that much-needed change. It is just not a woman to be elected on that in that office. It is a colored woman. It is a black woman to be elected. In, and I'm proud that she's happy. In, in India. Okay, in I, I, India. Hey, we're, we're out of time. <laughs> okay. We're out of time. Dash, want to thank you very much for your time today. And look forward to you working with more on with MLK Commemoration Committee on our event for next Friday. And we'll get with you after the program and talk to you about it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate it. Hey, we're now talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.